Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Library of Erotica. This is the fourth episode and I am privileged today to have Vinny Tesla on with me. He is the author of the pornographic steampunk comedy of manners, the erotic, erotofluidic, you think I would say this correctly, the erotofluidic age, the pornographic cyberpunk graphic no- novel, The Edelon Initiative, which was drawn by Lon Ryden, the smutty werewolf adjacent novella, Ota Discovers Fire, and I have to say that's one of my favorites, and a bunch of short weird stories here and there. He lives outside Boston with his spouse and their spoiled cattle dog. Welcome to the show, Vinny. Thank you, Laurie. So um, I've been really looking forward to this because I've been reading your work via circlet initially for years. <laughs> it's been, uh, uh, my, my history with circlet goes back a long time. I interned with them in the 20th century. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh my God, amazing. We were all alive then. <laughs> so what are you going to read for us? Uh, I'm delighted by what you had to say after reading my bio because it's uh, the climactic scene from Ota Discovers Fire. That's one of my favorites. I'm so excited. (laughs) Excellent. Um, uh, So as to spare your readers uh, too much having to listen to me talk about things that aren't sex, um, I wrote up a little story thus far summary I'm going to read. the story is Ota Discovers Fire. It is a novelette available either as a, a ebook by itself or as part of the fantastic erotica uh, best of anthology that Circlet did. Um, it's about a young man named uh, Palatine Ota from a prosperous... Okay, so first of all, it is a high fantasy story set in a made-up low-tech world with magic and monsters. Uh, Palatine Ota is a young man from the prosperous and sophisticated coastal city of Ensa, whose citizens are renowned for their skill with salamandry, the art of fire magic. Traveling for his merchant family, he gets lost in the northern forests and meets an Otakathon, one of the primitive hunter-gatherers of the region. She claims to be an Ulvzager, with the ability to turn herself into a wolf. He's not sure if he believes that, but she clearly knows the woods far better than he does, and he hires her to be his guide. A bunch of character development then happens. They bicker, they bond, she punches him in the stomach once or twice when he particularly deserves it. One night, she announced that she's going to change into a wolf to go hunting. She disappears into the woods and emerges hours later with a bunch of rabbits with their throats torn out. This scene starts the next day. That afternoon, they crossed a broad, shallow creek. 
Oda pausing before each shaky leap from mossy rock to mossy rock. On the other side of the creek, the Otakthon, who'd flowed across the water, hardly breaking stride, watched with an expression which he suspected concealed laughter. We stop here, she announced when, with a final stumbling bound, he arrived on the muddy bank at her side. We do? The sun was still high in the sky. That is food here and a little water. Because I could still go another... Uh... He looked at her face and noticed the dark circles under her eyes. She was still not fully recovered from last night's transformation, he realized. Okay, cool, he corrected himself. We can get some rest. He set his pack down. She picked a spot and unfastened her kilt and belt, setting them down on the ground. He forced himself not to stare at her broad pubic patch, her little high buttocks, as she settled herself down on the ground, curling into a ball on the pelt. I sleep now, she announced, and closed her eyes. He sat down and watched the riffling of the creek beside them. For a moment, his feet felt relief. Then he was overtaken by a sensation he hadn't experienced in over a week. He was restless. His energy was still high and he wanted something to do. As quietly as he could, he rummaged through his pack and extracted a tiny, precious cake of soap, for which he'd paid an extravagant sum at the village. Then he stood and made his way upstream. He found the experience of walking without a pack startlingly pleasant. After several days of its weight, there was a giddy lightness to bearing only his own. The sound of rushing water ahead drew him on, and he soon was at the base of a small cascade, the water pouring off a series of ledges into chest-deep pools, floored in dead leaves and sparkling sand. The day was warm, and he hadn't bathed since the village the week before. He took off all his clothes and jumped into the water, biting back a cry at the cold, then began exuberantly soaping himself, groaning with pleasure. What are you doing? came the old Zarger's voice, very close behind him. He jumped and went down in the water, flailing and splashing. She was sitting cross-legged on a rock at the top of a little fall. Suppressing his anger and embarrassment, he tried to explain about the new fashion for washing with soap that had started supplanting anointing with oil among the more forward-looking ensigns in the last few years. Show me, she demanded, springing into the water beside him, leaving her wolf pelt behind on the rock. Well, he said hesitantly, you work up some lather like this, he demonstrated with a cake of soap, then handed it to her. She took it, but held still. Then you rub it onto yourself, he demonstrated. Instead of following suit, she raised her arms. Show me, she said again. Throat thick, he stepped forward and found that the water only came to mid-thigh where he was now standing. He ran sudsy hands over her ribcage and stomach. She smiled encouragingly, and he soaked the dark, dark tufts under her arms, then reached up her arms to her wrists. He could feel his penis lengthening and thickening as his hands ran over her body. She watched it unabashedly with her curious little closed mouth smile. And um, you can wash the rest of your body the same way, he announced. Her smile disappeared. And he tried to turn his attention to washing the remaining suds off of himself as she clumsily turned the slippery cake in her hands, then spread the suds over her pubic triangle and small breasts. She put the soap down and suddenly leapt in his direction with a terrifying roar. He flinched and she hit the water beside him with an enormous splash, 
then rose, laughing merrily. Now both of us are clean, she announced. She stepped close, her nostrils flared. You'll smell good. Her fingertips traced up his bare flanks. The head of his cock bumped against her navel. He took a stumbling step backward, and her expression clouded. You're not allowed? You must stay pure for Mary? He flushed. Calling an ensign man of his age and class a virgin was an insult, though he knew her question was not so intended. I've been with plenty of girls, he said defensively, and he climbed out of the water to begin toweling himself off with his shirt. She followed him and stood, streaming and naked on the rock beside him. You choose your women well, she said teasingly. They bring you much honor? I'm not sure what you mean. The women you fucked, they are brave, rich, clever? Uh, sure, I guess. She sighed with exasperation. Their honor is yours. Choose wisely or you lose honor. I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. She was still looking at him steadily. I just, it's, it's not right for women to be so aggressive. She looked taken aback. I beat you in fight. Right of Arva is mine, of fuck choosing. Now he was indignant. What, you mean you think you now get to, to, to take me whether I want it or not? No. She smiled and all her many teeth showed. I am too nice. She drew out the word into a dangerous hiss. I will not force you. She stepped forward again and her nipples were brushing against his bare chest. Lucky for me, you are wanting it so much. Hmm? The sun, now approaching the tree line, was failing to disperse the chill from the stream's water. Look, I'm, I'm getting cold, Oda said. Let's go back to the fire. At their campsite, he threw a few more branches on the glowing embers and stood to watch them catch. After a moment's silence, he turned to look at his guide. I'm, I'm not an Arkthon, said Oda. I'm not a member of your pack, and I'm not going to act like a member of your pack, no matter how many times you punch me in the stomach. I'm your... She was watching him intently with an unreadable expression. He'd been about to say employer. Instead, he said, equal. A smile tugged at the corner of her mouth. You do have the fire in you, she said. I had fear you were soft all through. Mollified somewhat by her compliment, he answered her half-smile with one of his own. Well, you can push an ensign so far, but no further, he said with a little pride. Her smile was broadening as she stepped forward. And then you push back? She almost purred. He wasn't certain how literally to take her, and though he was determined, he had no particular wish to get punched in the stomach again. Sometimes, he said cautiously. She brought her arms up and shoved him, though so weakly he only staggered back half a step before catching himself. Hey, he protested, and instinctively shoved back. She yielded with the thrust, her feet unmoving. Her face was cocked, her grin still growing. She put her hands on his chest and pushed harder this time. But now he was braced and her push propelled her own body backward a step. She closed with him and they grappled the cool bare skin of their chests, sliding together, warming rapidly. She was attempting to throw him to the ground, but gently this time with only a portion of her strength. 
he felt a surprising flash of anger at this condescension, and with a surge of his own strength, tried to throw her instead. At the same moment, a smoldering branch caught fire all at once, sending a rush of sparks into the air with a loud crackle. She laughed, a happy, full-throated laugh, twisted from him in some way he couldn't even follow, and then his feet were off the ground and his spine thudded against soft, damp moss. She was straddling him, darting for his throat, but this time he grabbed at her matted locks before her teeth could reach him. Her snarl was so terrifying he almost let go, but there was still a laugh underneath it somehow, and her hips ground against his groin, teasing his half-erection fuller. She was tossing her head against his confining hands, and he allowed her to work her head nearer until she was gnashing her teeth menacingly, scant inches from his face. Gathering his courage, he then darted forward and grasped her lower lip in his own teeth. His nose slammed painfully against her cheekbone, but he ignored the discomfort, slowly increasing the pressure of his bite until her snarls gave way to harsh breathing. He knew that many of the northern city-states considered kissing a perverse and decadent southern custom. He released her lip, keeping his tight grip on her locks. Your people kiss? Sometimes, she said. He ran his tongue tip over her lips, pressed his to them, felt the rigid barrier of her teeth. He tugged at her hair, and her breath hissed. Open, he demanded. Her teeth parted, his tongue slipped into her mouth, touched the tip of hers. Then her jaw shut again, trapping his tongue just long enough to mark his own vulnerability before she opened and let him explore further. As their mouths sealed together, he released her hair to run his palms over the long, lean muscles of her shoulders to slide them down the length of her back. The campfire was still brightening as the wood continued to catch. He could feel its heat against his flank. Her shaggy kilt was rucked up around her waist, and he found his hands cupping her firm little bare buttocks as they circled over him. She sat up, her face flushed, eyes unfocused and gleaming, continuing to undulate against his erection, sending waves of pleasure rushing up his spine so that he gasped and shuddered, working his hips back against her, squirming. Then... She reached back and took his wrists, pinned them up over his head, and swarmed up over his torso until she was straddling his face and upraised arms. She angled her hips forward until her dark, swollen vulva was poised over his face, dense black hair spreading upward from it halfway to her navel. The thick smell made his nostrils flare. He was aware of his hunger to lick her, her hunger for his mouth, the fire's hunger for more wood to consume, and they were all one thing— new and yet familiar. Now you lick, she said, and it was somewhere between a demand and a simple announcement. Then the slippery heat was pressed against his face, her kilt falling around her head to block, around his head, to block out the light and muffle the noise so that there was nothing but touch, taste, and smell. He extended his tongue, and at once her clitoris was against it as she rocked against his face, the little shaft thick and swollen, its taste was sour for a moment, then mild as fresh lubrication reached his tongue. She unknotted her kilt and threw it aside so he could see in sharp perspective her pubic tangle, her lean belly, her little breasts, her intent flushed face bent down to watch, bent down to watch him. She released his wrists and pulled roughly at her own dark nipples, the muscles of her thighs trembling against him as she sighed with pleasure. 
Then she leaned forward and he felt a hand fumbling at the front of his breeches. She cursed quietly in Darsh and he reached down and unhoped them for her. Her long, cool hand reached in then and grasped his cock and an uncontrollable shudder ran through him. He felt a rush of heat against his side as the crackling sound of the fire intensified, its blaze bright in the corner of his eye. For a moment, maybe two, she tugged at his erection with strong, unsteady strokes. Then she let out a strangled cry and leaned forward again. Lick faster, she demanded, and he did. One of her hands rested on the ground, the other tugged at each nipple in turn. The bouncing of her hips was making her, his lock on her clitoris precarious. Slowly, he managed to kick his breeches off until they dangled from one ankle. She began to wail, each scream accompanied by a tightening of her thighs around his head, her voice still loud through the muffling of the pressure. At the height of one such cry, he twisted violently, throwing her to the ground in a tangle of kicking limbs and flung himself on top of her, using his greater mass to press her to the mossy ground, his rigid cock sliding against the groove between her buttocks. She bucked underneath him, but he stayed in place, once more suspecting that she could have thrown him, had she so chosen. He bit down on her shoulder, tasting salt on her skin, and a shudder ran through her. He managed to angle his cock so that it slid between her legs, pressing against wet heat and scratchy hair. She locked her thighs against it and squirmed, both of them groaning at the sensation. He held tight against her, only allowing minute movements, each thrust producing exquisite, almost painful friction on his cock. Give me fuck, you clanless fefsarger, the wealth girl demanded. Her tone suggested the term was not a compliment. Oda decided to press his advantage a bit. You have to ask nice, he said, and punctuated it with a slightly more emphatic thrust. She looked back over her shoulder with that familiar mischievous grin. Are you punish me by not fuck? Her tone was amused and skeptical. This was an unexpected response. He hesitated, trying to devise an effective response, but she spoke first. Please to give me fuck, she said, you clamless fefsarger. At that moment, an ambiguous victory was more than victory enough for Oda. He pulled back, gripping her hard shoulders in his hands until the head of his cock was nodding against the opening of her, her cunt. Open and wet with his saliva and her lubrication, it gave way eagerly. Her hands were bunched into fists. She groaned loud and low as he worked himself into her until his groin was pressed against the crease of her bottom, his cock buried inside her, where she tugged at him with her internal muscles. She looked over at the fire, which roared white hot and as tall as her now. You do this? She asked, wide-eyed. We, oui, I think, he corrected her. Beautiful, she said. Then the rhythm of their motions together took hold of him. There were no thoughts, just heat and urgency, the taste of her skin as he nodded her shoulder, her groans, which soon gave way to ear-ringing screams. 
he soon was roaring himself, pounding furiously into her so uncontrollably that as he approached orgasm, he slipped out, his cock sliding along the groove of her ass instead for several thrusts before he could persuade his body to pause so he could pull back and take hold of his slick, straining cock, angle it down, and, and he was on his back. She was on top of him, growling and laughing. Not yet, not yet, she said. You'll not spurt yet. A hot, hard hand gripped his inflamed cock, squeezed, and a frustrated half-orgasm surged through him. The flames were dying down for lack of fuel, but the campfire's heat was almost uncomfortable against his side. Steam rose off their writhing bodies as chill evening air hit their damp skin. His cock jumped in her tight fist, and one thick, opaque drop rolled off the head to puddle on her knuckles. She darted her head down, and a long tongue flickered out to lap at the fluid. Then she took the head in her mouth, her tongue almost too much friction on his sensitized head as her cheeks hollowed with her sucking. She straddled his hips and angled his cock so that it slid along the crease of her vulva, working her hips against it. The sensation was delicious, but Oda craved more. Involuntarily, his hips jumped, trying to sink into that hot cunt that was so tantalizing him. He glanced up at her face, and her insistent, hungry, unself-conscious gaze was mesmerizing. Their eyes remained locked as she lifted her hip to put the head of his cock against the mouth of her cunt once more, then sank slowly onto him, her mouth falling open in sympathy as her cunt opened to him. Finally, she sighed with pleasure and began grinding her hips in little circles against his pelvis, denying him the vertical thrusts he craved. He gripped her hips, trying to bounce her on himself, but she took his wrists and pushed them up over his head again, leaning down so that the points of her nipples brushed against his chest, her breath hot against his cheek as she continued to circle on him. After a time, she released his wrists and pushed herself up enough so that she could see his face. She guided his hands to her soft little breasts, which he stroked with pleasure. Pull my tits, she demanded. He took hold of the prominent dark nipples and tugged. More, she barked. He pulled harder. She howled, sank forward, and sank her teeth painfully into his shoulder. Hey, you said to, he protested. Yes, she said. You pull tits. I bite neck. All is good. Maybe so, he grumbled. But a little gentler than that is even better. Soft city boy. It is a good thing you are so pretty. Then there was no talk just the slow, deliberate building of speed and force, the waves of motion that ran through the two of them and moved them together as they found a common rhythm and followed it. One of his hands was at her nipple, kneading and tugging at it. The other cupped one top buttock, which rose and fell, flexed and relaxed as she shoved herself down onto him. She was propped on one elbow, her other hand pressed tightly between them, moving furiously against her clitoris. His hand tightened on her as his excitement swelled. Yes, yes, she groaned, then screamed as if she was being gutted, locking tight against him, every muscle in her body taut. Then she sighed and slumped on top of him. With his hands, he tried to urge her to continue the motions, but she was utterly limp now. Frantic with need, he rolled on top of her and began pounding furiously. She purred in relaxed pleasure and spread her legs wide. He was making little sloshing noises in her cunt now. Through slitted eyes, he saw her reach up, 
smiling with her lips over her teeth. Then his head was held fast as her fingers gripped his scalp and her suddenly bared teeth were against his throat. He tried to freeze in place against this renewed threat, but his hips wouldn't stop. He shuddered against her, groaning helplessly, then came in a series of convulsive waves. In seconds, the fire's amber light faded to a dim red glow. Not until he'd stopped shaking did she release his throat, and he slumped, gasping on top of her, sweat-slick skin against sweat-slick skin. Oh my. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I hope the sound was okay on that. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. That's one of the things about doing, doing this podcast is I end up lost in it. <laughs> but anybody who knows me understands. Um, so guys, that was this week's episode. Um, and Next week, um, again, on, since I haven't finished the lineup, I can't tell you who it's going to be, but just know it's going to be something good. If you've got any ideas for this podcast, please email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. If there's an author you want to hear, do email me with their details. If I can get them to come on, I will. Um, and I hope you have a phenomenal week. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.